flying in my own airplane. But more than anything, I loved golf and competing. I needed to cope with the magnifying glass trained on me all the time. I found it stifling at times, but as Arnold Palmer told me, the attention was going to be there, and it would be unrelenting. If the glare was magnified that much more at the Masters, how would I perform? I didn't play well at all. Not at the start, anyway. I shot that 40, and I was bewildered and furious as I walked to the 10th tee. I was trying to think about what had just happened. I needed to figure out what went so wrong on the front nine. Security guards, and beyond them patrons, as Augusta National prefers to refer to spectators at the Masters, flanked me as I walked. I decided that my backswing got too long on the front nine, and I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like it when my backswing even got to parallel. I got out of sync. Then I had to get back on the right path to the ball by using my arms alone rather than allowing my lower body to carry them through. Swinging that way meant I had to depend on my timing, which wasn't reliable. I wanted my swing to feel tight. This provided me the control I craved. But by control, I didn't mean that I wasn't swinging freely. I could make an uninhibited swing at my best without mechanical thoughts. I wanted that feeling. Maybe as a golfer, I lived for it, especially when it mattered the most, when I had to produce a swing that wins. I had learned as a young golfer that I wanted to be in a position where my winning depended on my making the shot when I needed to, rather than winning because another player made a mistake. The feeling of coming through was intoxicating. Twenty years later, as I think about that walk and the issue with my backswing, I know that there was so much more than technique involved. I was looking for the feelings I had in my swing only the Friday of the week before the Masters, when, with my friend and fellow professional Mark O'Mara, I had shot 59 at the Alworth Golf and Country Club in Orlando. I lived there, and so did Marco. I took a cart and listened to music while I went along. We started on the back nine. I played one nine-hole stretch in ten under par and took a few bucks off him. My swing felt fluid from start to finish. The game felt easy. Along the way, in mid-afternoon, we had quite a surprise. On the third hole, a par five, we hit our drives around the corner. I teed off and was going to hit a three-iron into the par five. I looked around the corner and saw a white plume. The Space Shuttle Columbia had just launched from the Kennedy Space Center. We saw the whole thing, and it was chilling. I'd just moved to Isleworth and had never seen the shuttle. We sat in our carts and watched as the booster came off to where there wasn't any exhaust. I'd been interested in the space program since I was a kid, and I often read about NASA's missions. Sitting there in the cart, I was in awe. Just to think, scientists were making this happen. What an accomplishment. There I was, playing golf while seven astronauts had just taken off in a space shuttle that, I would learn later, weighed 259,000 pounds and would reach an apogee of 188 miles, the point in its orbit that the satellite would be the farthest from the center of the Earth. I like reading about science, and suddenly we had come across the shuttle. I felt both small by comparison to space travel and in awe of what man could achieve. I felt exhilarated sitting there. We played again the next day. I shot 32 on the front nine, birdied the 10th hole, and made a hole-in-one on the 11th. Marco didn't say a word after the hole-in-one.
Suddenly, he drove off in his cart. Huh? I thought. I assumed he had just had enough. It was his way of saying, This is crazy. You shoot 59, and now you make a hole-in-one. I'm out of here. I followed in my cart. Something else happened in the weeks before the Masters that helped my confidence. Arnold Palmer had invited me to play at the Bay Hill Club and Lodge, which he owned. I'd admired Arnold for years, especially his attacking, go-for-broke attitude and the way he managed to not only cope with all the attention his game and friendly nature brought him, but to welcome it. I'd sought him out for advice on these matters, and he was always willing to sit down to talk with me. Before I turned pro, I picked his brain about the world of professional golf, what it takes to get there and succeed, and how to handle the attention that comes with the sport. He was a great mentor as I was entering the new world of professional golf.